talking about the pursuit of the anointing. I don't care the older I get. I love things. You've heard me say this. I'll say it over. I love things. I love that the lights can change. I love that we have technology. I love the, all the different things. But let me just tell you, there is nothing that can ever take the place of the anointing of Almighty God. I believe as we enter into 2022, and it's not just us as a church body that must have the anointing. I believe that we as individuals, that we have a responsibility to pursue the anointing of Almighty God in our lives. As we've read here in the book of 2 Kings, we find this passage records the homegoing of one of the greatest men in the Word of God. We know Elijah was greatly used of the Lord in his generation. He called down fire from heaven. He was he did great exploits for the Lord. But listen, the day and the hour came when it was time for him to pass down a baton to a new generation. And I know sometimes I sound like a broken record, but that's all right. Some of you don't even know what a broken record is. Then I kind of thought I'd change it to a, a scratch CD and how it would skip. But now young people don't even know what CDs are anymore. But listen, I'm just going to tell you this over and over and over again because it's what God keeps putting in my heart and keeps putting in my spirit. We're going to celebrate the past. In April, the first Sunday in April, we're going to celebrate all that God has done. I preached a series a month or so ago about learning from the past. I'm thankful for the past, but I've also come to realize that we cannot live in the past. I'm thankful for the Starkville Church of God of the past. I'm thankful for the men and the women that have served and labored and laid the foundation for us. But listen, just as Elijah's time had ended and he was passing on the baton to an Elisha. I believe that right here at Starkville Church of God sitting on these pews are men and women that God is raising up, that God is calling, that God is anointing, that we will be the generation that I believe is going to fulfill what God has been saying to us. I'll say this again. I know deep down in my spirit that God has called us to be this city set on a hill. I know that God has called us to be a light here in Starkville, Mississippi and the Golden Triangle. And I know that that will never be accomplished without the anointing of Almighty God. We read our text and it tells us about a young man named Elisha. He was a man hungry for all that God could give him. He wanted the Lord. He wanted God's power. He wanted God's anointing in his life, and he was willing to pay the price to get it. We find in this passage that we have read what it took. Elisha, according to Elijah, asked a very difficult thing. What did he ask? He said, I want a double portion of your anointing. Can you imagine that? Looking at the guy that had called down, you'd seen him, he called down fire from heaven. He had done these great exploits, stood up to a wicked king and queen, but yet now Elisha is looking at him and saying, listen, Elijah, I don't just want what you've got. I want double. Come on, I know it's the day after Christmas, but y'all just come on, shake the ham up a little bit, wake up a little bit here this morning. I mean, he looks the man in the eyes and say, I don't just want what you've got. I want double what you have. I believe that that's what God has got for us in 2022. You see, there's never been a day and a time that people have faced the stuff that we're facing. And I know that my God is still able. I know God did big things. 
I know that God has done great things. Listen, me and Jamie rode the golf cart in the Cotton District, and we rode by that little church on Maxwell Street. Can I tell you, from that first was built, I'm sure that this place on this hill probably seemed too big back then to some, but here it is today. And can I just tell you, I don't know exactly what God has got for us here. I don't know what all God is going to do, but it's people like Elisha that say, I don't care how much God has done in the past. I want double of what he did for you, Elijah, and I'm calling us Starkful Church of God to come to that place to say thank God for what he's done in the past. Thank God for how he's blessed me before, but I believe I serve a God that is so big and so great and so awesome. I'm not afraid to ask double of what he's done before. Give God praise if you believe it this morning. You see, Elisha was in pursuit of the anointing. He wasn't asking for power, wealth, position. He was asking to be so controlled and empowered by the Spirit of God. In fact, to be a dedicated, outspoken man of God during the dynasty of the house of Omri and Ahab was to live in constant danger. You see, the times in which Elijah had ministered and now Elisha was beginning his ministry and well, they were not easy times. They were not just the pie in the sky time. They weren't the times where people were friendly to God and to the work of God. No, the kings were very opposed. They had led idolatry into the land. The kings of Israel had married idolatrous wives that had brought the false gods into Israel. But yet Elisha was saying, I still want more of God Almighty. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are almost in 2022 and our land our land this land that is your land and my land and that from California to the New York Island this land that was once built with a, a little church in the center of every little town that was established this land that was once a place that it's still on our money and God we trust but this land in which we live today is no longer as friendly to God as it used to be this land that we live in today is becoming more and more diametric opposed to what the Word of God said. This land that we live in today, more and more those that stand up for Jesus Christ, those that stand up for the Word of God are called ignorant, are called biggest, are called stupid because we believe in the standards of the Word of God, that we believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. We're called ignorant, that we believe that murdering babies inside the womb is a sin. We're called backward. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you just like in the days of Elijah and Elisha I believe we're living in a time like no other in this land where belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and standing on the word of God is not popular we are living in that time again but just like the time of Elisha and Elijah I believe we are going to stand up one more time and say God I want a double portion of the anointing that those that came before me had so that I can stand firm on your word and see this last day harvest reap. Give God praise if you believe it here today. So let's look at the call. Don't panic anybody because this is actually two parts. I'm doing this this Sunday and next Sunday. So so don't don't panic on me. I'm going to I'm going to do I'm going to talk about the call 
of Elisha this morning and his steps in pursuing it. And then next week I'm going to go into, some time ago I preached about the cities of David. And I preached an entire series on how the places that David went prepared him for what God was going to do. And Elisha was no different. I don't want to preach next week's sermon, but I want to give you just a little bit that maybe you'll come back and be interested and let you know that God takes us places for a reason to prepare us for what he's got for us. Somebody say amen. But that's for next week, so put it on your calendar. Be back here at 1030 next Sunday. <laughs> the first thing we start with today is the call of Elisha. To find his call, we've got to go back to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. We find the scripture tells us, And Elisha the son of Shaphath, Shaphat was of Abel Meloah, you will anoint as prophet in your place. Here the Lord is speaking to Elijah. He's got a list of things to do. He's telling Elijah, I got some stuff you need to do. Told him a couple of king you needed to anoint, some other things. He said, hey, by the way, you need to go by and anoint your replacement because I'm about to take you up with me also. And then in verse 19 we find, so he departed from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. And he left uh, the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Again, if you've got your Bible, look with me. I want you to keep up with it. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19 here. We're going to dig into this, the call of Elijah. So where, where was he at before he comes to the place that he asked for this double portion? Well, we may ask the question, well, why? Why was he even called? Well, according to verse 19 that we started with here, we find where he was. He was in the field working the soil. You see, he was not at the temple. He was not at some holy mountain. He was not doing something that seemed specifically spiritual. He was at work. He was working faithfully in the natural realm. Now, I want to stop for just a moment and just remind you that God has things for us in the natural realm that he has called us to do. I want to say I was blessed a couple of weeks. I guess it was last month. My days and months and everything get mixed up. But I was blessed. Brother Danny Smith shared his testimony to the men. Can I make a shameless plug for the men's breakfast every month, the first Sunday of the month? He shared his testimony and talked about how the Lord had called him to be a sports writer and the ministry that he has in the world. Can I just remind you, whatever you do, if you work in a factory, if you work in an office, if you teach children, if you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, whatever you may do, I believe that God wants to use you right where you are. God can use you no matter where you're at. God's simply calling you to be faithful 
even where you are. And Elisha, when, when Elijah shows up to him, where was he at? He was working faithfully in the natural realm. I just need to tell somebody, you never know, God may show up at your job whenever you, if you got to work tomorrow or I don't know with the holidays, but God may show up at your job next time that you're at your job. He may show up at your desk. He may show up at your machine. He may show up, Brother Mark, in your bulldozer or track hoe or whatever you're driving tomorrow. He may show up. You never know. In your patrol car, he may show up wherever you are. God will show up. He shows up to people that are working faithfully doing what they're supposed to be doing. So Elijah went from there, found Elisha, the son of Saphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, according to verse 19. So primarily we find, y'all ready for this? God calls those who are active. God is generally not in the business of calling people that are sitting around on their hands. Mm, I might preach there just a little bit. God has not, he generally does not call the people that are just sitting around. Well, I'm waiting for God to call me to do something great. In the meantime, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing and wait. Uh -uh. Everywhere I read in here, the people that God chose to call were busy doing what they were supposed to be doing at that time. You see, God calls those that are active. He's calling servants. He was obviously, Elisha was obviously the son in the household. We find that there were 12 uh, pairs of oxen. He was leading them. So he had 11 other people that were working for his family farm. He was on that 12th pair plowing up the field. He was the son in the household. And he led by example, not nearly command, even when leading the servants of his own household. You see, I've always tried to make it a point in leadership to not just tell what people what to do, but try to help them do it and be right there in the thick of it when they are doing it. I believe God wants us today. He wants us to be servants. See, Jesus puts forth a principle. In order for one to be great, he must become servant of all. In Matthew chapter 20, we find he says this, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know the rules. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ, I know we just celebrated yesterday, Chris. We've been in this whole season. And remember, the first time Jesus came, he came as servant. The first time Jesus came, he came born in a manger. The first time Jesus came, he came to be servant of all. The first time Jesus came, he washed feet. The first time Jesus came, he served. Now, I know the second time he's coming, he's coming back as king, and he's coming back as ruler, and he's coming back in Lord as Lord. But the first time Jesus came, he came as servant, and that was to be an example to you and I, to serve. We find also he was in the field working secondly that he was attentive to the call of God or can I say it like this for some of us that have been in church for a little while can I say it like this he was sensitive to the spirit 
Verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said. Then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So you say, what exactly does this mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Or if you didn't, you're still sitting there and listening, so I'm going to tell you. First of all, God was calling Elisha to service and not Elijah. Elijah had his own call. Elijah had his own ministry. But God was now calling Elisha to service. And the decision to follow God was his and his alone. In other words, Elijah's reply indicated, according to the Expositor's Bible commentary, Elijah's reply indicated that he himself had not called Elijah, Elisha. It was God's call. Whether Elisha would follow that call was on his own decision. In other words, Elijah was saying, hey, God told me to come here. God told me to do this. God's got a call on your life, but I can't answer it for you, son. It is up to you. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, can I tell you here today that I am only a messenger. You know, thank God for this. It's helped me a lot of times when I remember that nobody can make our decision for us when it comes to service in the kingdom or even accepting salvation. You see, I have to realize that God has called me and he's called you also to be a carrier of the gospel, to share the gospel with men and women and boys and girls, everybody. Body. It's not his will that any should perish, but all that should come to repentance. God has called us to be the messengers, but Elijah said, I've came, I've delivered the message, now the ball is in your court. Folks, listen, I can preach to you, I can pray for you. Your mama, your daddy can preach to you and pray for you. You can watch somebody on the internet or TV, but listen, the bottom line is how you choose to serve the Lord in 2022 is up to you. Now, I can get up here and buck and snort and spit and sweat and pray and do everything that I can to try to get you to pursue the anointing in 2022, but I cannot make that decision for you. Elijah said, hey, what have I done to you? I'm just a messenger. So here this messenger from Chickasaw County stands here today in this pulpit and tells you, I'm just a messenger. I'm telling you that we need the anointing. You need the anointing. We need more of God in 2022, but I can't make you pursue it. It's got to be you that decides to pursue it for yourself. Give God praise if you believe it. We find leaders may offer a position or a task, but we've got to be willing to offer ourselves up for service. I won't ever forget our first church in Maryville, Tennessee. Jamie was still working on her master's degree at Lee. We were living in Cleveland. She had one more year left of that. I had finished my bachelor's degree. Brother McGuire was state overseer of Tennessee at the time. I was there in the missions department working in the shipping, just trying. We had one more year before she finished up and we could go out. And I was chomping at the bit ready to pastor, just dying to pastor. And I won't ever forget that my boss at the time, my supervisor, Calvin Wood, had gotten Brother McGuire on the phone. And so he talked to me and said, I know Brother McGuire's 
preached here several times. You probably, some of you know him. I remember he got on the phone. He said, ah, I, got a, I got a church up in Maryville. You either take it or I'm going to close it down, one of the two. <laughs> and, you know, I guess as we get older and everything, things change a little bit. But I was chomping at the bit. I was young. I was ready. I said, I'll take it, Brother McGuire. I'll take it. I'm ready. We got there and found out there were more leaks in the roof than there were people on the pews. <laughs> we got there and found that it was a lot, a lot of work. But listen, when the leader opened up the position or the task, Jamie and I were just offering ourselves up and said, lead us, Lord, we'll fight. Now, I'm not saying I've always accepted everything that's ever been thrown my way. Don't misunderstand me. Sometimes there are things that we've said no to. But, however, there is the importance of we must be willing to say, lead me, Lord, I will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will go. You've called me. I will answer. Anybody getting this in their spirit here this morning? I'm almost done. I know it's just 1120. What else do we find? We find that he was, a, he was receptive to a new work. Verse 21, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. You see, we find he left his present work. I believe that up until this point that what Elisha knew and what Elisha was comfortable with was right there in his hometown and working the ground and, and using the oxen and being a farmer. But God called him somewhere else to leave that place where he was at. Family and friends was the price of following the call of God. You see, I, I'm not trying to just... Give you. I just want to offer a little bit to let you know that what I'm preaching today is not just something that I read about in a book or thought about. Many of you I've shared with you as we came back here was in January of 99, I left North Mississippi to go to Lee University and was never any closer to my family than four hours up until we came back here to start for. There are some times that God is going to call you and that call is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you leaving the comforts of friends and family and going to places that you don't want to go. I think I've preached it enough, and I want to be careful because there's a lot of folks up there that I really do love, and some of them still listen to this podcast. But listen, Bethalto, Illinois was not my dream place for that two years and two months that we were up there. But God called us, and we had to be willing to go. And listen, I know some of you say, well, I'm not a full-time pastor. I'm not in full-time ministry. Listen, God is still going to ask you to go some places and do some things. Even if you're not full-time ministry, if you're in pursuit of the anointing, he's going to ask you to go some places and do some things that you might not be comfortable doing. Mm, I got to keep on moving this morning. He walked into the future with no thoughts of returning to the past. How do we know that? Because he burned the plowing implements. He killed the oxen and he cooked the oxen by burning the plowing instrument. He meant business for God. Taking his leave of Elijah, he returned home. He enjoyed a farewell meal with his family and friends, but he cooked it over his own plowing equipment. In other words, he was saying, I am not going back. We used to sing it like this. The cross 
cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. You see, I believe if there was a, ever a day that we needed people with a heart like Elisha's, it is a day in which we live that he has called us to be empowered and anointed and not turn back on the task that he has called us to fulfill. You ready for this? A.W. Tozer commented that without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, 95% of what the early church did would have ceased. I want you to get this. I'm going to say this slow. He said, without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, 95% of what the early church did would have ceased, stopped. In other words, only 5% of what they were doing, if the Holy Spirit was not involved, would have went on. He went on to say that if the Spirit were removed today, 95% of what we do in the modern church would continue unabated. I want you to get that. I'm going to say that one more time. That if the Spirit were removed today, 95% of what we do in the modern church would continue in other words, 95% of what the early church did was anointed by the Holy Ghost and was and had to have the power of the Holy Ghost to do it, but we're only doing about 5% of stuff that is really needed by the rest of it is just going through the motions and just gimmicks and junk. But I'm telling you in 2022, I am in pursuit of the anointing of God. I'm believing for Startful Church of God that we're going to flip the script, that we're going to turn it around and and say, God, we have got to have your anointing and every. I don't want just a bunch of dead, dry services that we're just going through the motions. I want to be endued with power from on high so that lives can be changed by God Almighty. Second major point, and I'm done. We find we talked about Elisha's call, and now we look at his steps in pursuing the anointing. We find he was resolute in his pursuit. You see, opposition did not shake his resolve. I told you next week we're going to look at the different places where God took him, Jericho, the Jordan, the different places where the Lord took him and go into more depth. But I'm going to just scratch the surface of this. Every single where, as we read that text, I hope that you notice it. Everywhere that they went, the Bible said that prophets would stop Elisha and be like, hey, psh, 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 hey, you know God's taking your boss man today, don't you? And he said, yeah, I know it. Just don't even talk about it. And they'd go over here to the next place. And this next group would be like, hey, hey, Elijah, you know God, he's going to take Elijah today, don't you? He'd be like, yep, I know it, I know it, don't even talk about it. Everywhere he would go. In other words, it could be interpreted like this, why are you still following that old man? The Lord is through with him. He's going to be calling him to heaven today. You know what? You'd really be better off to stay with us or strike out on your own. Why are you still hanging with this? They tried to talk him out of his resolve. You see, if you decide 
that, then you, that you are going after God, you, until you obtain the double portion, you had better look out because all around you, there will be people who do their best to talk you out of it. I just need you to hear that one more time because I started around that about 16 different times. If you decide that you're going to put your mind to it and pursue the anointing of God, I am guaranteeing you that people every which way are going to talk you out of it. They're going to try to knock you off of progress. I don't know if they're bothered or offended when somebody else progresses farther than they have, but you can be sure that you Will, they will oppose you. They will attack you. They will do everything they can to knock you off course. If you decide in 2022, I am going to pursue the anointing of God, then listen to me. You can have God's anointing, but don't mistake this. There will be those that will try to knock you off track. Wholehearted commitment to the cause of Christ always leaves people baffled. Start in the book of Genesis chapter 37 with an old guy named Joseph. He was crazy. He was a dreamer. He had these dreams that he was going to rule. His brothers didn't believe him. Even his daddy told him, boy, you just see, shut up about that. Y'all still out there? He went to the pit. He went to the prison before it was ever fulfilled. There were three Hebrew boys. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told they had the good life as much as they could at that time because their home country had been overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar. They were basically prisoners of war. But these boys were considered good-looking and smart enough that they got to live in the palace. And all they had to do, really, was just do what this heathen king Nebuchadnezzar asked. And he said, boys, when the music starts, I've got this big old statue of myself built. You just bow down and worship this statue, and you're going to be able to eat all of my steak, all of my baked potatoes, all of my ice cream. Come on, somebody. He said, you're going to be able to sleep in my, my feather bed or my memory foam, whatever your pleasure is. You're going to be able to sleep in the nice beds here in the palace. Alice, I'll even find you a good woman for you to marry. Some of my most beautiful girls you can marry. All you've got to do is bow down and worship that idol whenever the music starts. And But what happened? Those boys were so determined. They were so resolute that when the music started, the Bible said that they were there in the midst of thousands, but they stood there and refused to bow down. But it didn't just stop there. Because why? He gave them one more chance. He said, boys, Nebuchadnezzar said, boys, I like you so much. I see so much potential. I'm going to give you one more shot. I'm going to crank this music up, and I'm going to let y'all bow down this time, and we'll just pretend like this little deal never happened. And they said what? They said, king, we love you. We appreciate you, but we ain't bowing down to your idol because we serve a God that is greater, and if he lets us die, we die, but he's able to save us from your fiery furnace. And what happened? We know what it says, that he cranked it up hotter than it had ever been before. They threw him in, but those three Hebrew boys would not bow and could not burn, and they came out not even smelling like smoke. God is telling us today that there are people that are going to try to knock you off from your commitment 
to being in full pursuit of the anointing, but don't let anybody knock you off. Not too much longer, a friend of theirs named Daniel. Same thing. Don't pray to anybody but King Darius. And what happened? Well, Daniel, I don't believe it was for a show. Listen, this is an important thing, and I'm not preaching a whole sermon about Daniel, but this is important. He didn't just start praying that day. It had been a habit of his. But that day, just like every other day, the Bible said that Daniel went to his room and as good Jews in the Old Testament did, faced Jerusalem with his windows open and he prayed to the Lord God Almighty in heaven. And what happened? Oh, the tattletales, they told the king, didn't even want to throw him in there. But because the law was greater than the king, he had to throw him in there. But what happened? When they pulled him out of the next morning, thought that he would have just been stuck in between the teeth of the lion. Instead of there being Daniel stuck in between the teeth of the lion, Daniel was alive and well standing there. They pull him up out of the pit, and he says, Hey, last night when you threw me in there, an angel of the Lord showed up and shut the mouth of the lion. Can I just keep on this morning and tell you that people are going to try to knock you off track when you pursue the anointing, but don't you be knocked off track. Paul in the book of Acts chapter 26 and verse 24, he's on trial for what? For preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's there with King Agrippa and with Festus. And in verse 24 of Acts chapter 26, Festus just stops him and says, Paul, you're a crazy man. You don't, you have gone, your great learning has driven you mad. You have absolutely lost your mind. But Paul, Paul said, oh, no, I haven't. I have not lost my mind. I'm telling you what God has done for There's going to be people, folks, that in 2022, when you pursue the anointing, they're going to be like, you're crazy. Why are you going to church so much? Why are you paying 10% of your income? Why are you praying all the time? Why are you reading the Bible all the time? There's going to be people that are going to call you crazy, but God knows he will help you in those times. Just don't give up. And the best example of all, Jesus, in John chapter 7, the crowd, oh boy, the crowd, they're trying to fill him out, they're trying to figure him out, and they start, Jesus is there, he's been teaching, he's been ministering, and the Bible starts describing the crowd. And there's all kinds of opinions. And three prevalent opinions that the Bible talks about in this particular portion of Scripture. There were some that said, you know what? This guy, he's a prophet. He's all right. He's a prophet. He'd be all right. There was another group that said, hey, he's the, he is the Messiah. This is the one that, that, that the Prophets have prophesied about. This is the one that was prophesied of old. This dude is it. He is the Messiah. Then there was another group, a third group, that was like, this dude's a fake. This dude's a phony. This dude is crazy. This dude, he's just, he's just drawing, drumming up a crowd. He really, he's nothing to him. He's a fake. He's a phony. With just uh, don't even listen to anything he said. I just need to let you folks know something. Don't you ever let the crowd shake you. 
Because the crowd is always going to have different opinions. And sometimes those opinions are going to change. Bless God, I'm going to preach to you. I'm going I'm to go ahead. Somebody once told me I preached a lot better as an evangelist instead of preaching at the church than I'm preaching at. So I'm going to preach like an evangelist for just a second. Y'all ready? I done been around enough to tell you something. You see something about the crowd. Sometimes the crowd, they will just love you so much they could just sop you up with a biscuit and eat you. They just love you so much. Ooh, you're so good, Pat. You're the best preacher I've ever heard. Just sop you up with a biscuit. Just, I mean, you are that. Come on, y'all know. Y'all, we, we here in the South, you know when it's that good that you got your biscuit and you don't want to leave a drop on the plate. You just, just so good. I'm going to get y'all hungry before we get out of here. I know. But those same people that are sopping you up with a biscuit one minute, I got to be. I'm going to say, i got to make sure I slow down and say this right. I've watched enough YouTube videos where people say the wrong thing. Those same people eventually wouldn't spit on you if you were on fire. And that ain't just for pastors and ministers. All of us, all of us have been through that at times. The crowd, the crowd, their, their opinions vacillate and, and change with the wind. And can I say this? I think y'all know me well enough. I've been here almost a year. I try. I don't. I don't use the pulpit for political game because this is directed at Republicans and Democrats and Independents. And this has been going on too long. I'm so sick of seeing leadership based their leadership decisions based on polls and public opinion. Because you know what? That changes here and there. You know what I've learned as a pastor? That I, I just got, I got to keep my eyes on him. I got to keep my ears open to him. I, I, can't, I can't just be taking straw polls every five minutes. Well, how are the people feeling? How are they? And I'm not talking about inappropriate things and spending big thing, amounts of money. That's not what I'm talking about. But when it talked about the spiritual direction of a church as a pastor, I can't just be, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, this one don't think that. And this one, listen. We base it on everybody's got an opinion. We'd be going in 20 different directions. But as you pursue the anointing in 2022, don't you let the naysayers, don't you let the haters, I'm going to give him credit for this. Some of of y'all know Greg Shambly. He pastored down there in Ackerman for a lot of years. Oh, Greg, he got to where he was saying, he said, I'm just going to let my haters make me greater. <laughs> and you know what? I, I'm just did, Listen, in 2022, let your haters make you greater. I mean, just let your haters make let them Let them hate you if they want to. Let them dislike you. Let them call you all of these things. Let them call you a stupid dreamer like Joseph. Let them, let them call you a fool like the three Hebrew boys that refused to bow and got thrown in a fiery furnace. Let them call you stupid like Daniel that you go ahead and pray anyway and get thrown in a lion's den. Let them call you crazy like Festus did Paul. That's all right if you'll keep your hand in the hand of Jesus Christ in 2022. He will help you. He will give you the anointing that you're pursuing for your life. Stand with me, if you will, please, this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Now, I know to, I told y'all when we were talking about that, I said, very rarely am I going to just throw anything on you last minute, but the last Sunday of the month, this is it. <laughs> I want us to sing, and if we can't get all the instruments together, that's all right. I just want us to sing that old song, I Have Decided to Follow You. Whatever key's best for y'all, whatever key y'all want to sing it in, I just feel in my spirit that as we pursue the anointing, that obviously we're not just pursuing the anointing. Ultimately, we're pursuing Jesus, aren't we? It's a pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we pursue him and as we pursue his spirit and we pursue his word, we pursue his anointing because we need his anointing to be able to do what he has called us to do. And here's what I want us to do here this morning before we go. As I told you, I know there's a lot of, a lot of sickness, and I think you know me well enough by now. Rona's, I'm not scared of Rona, but I also want to be smart and everything.